Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions, our shortcomings. Lord, those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm thankful for this time that I have here with my sisters in Christ and brothers, Lord, that pray for me from a distance, that pray for this ministry, Lord. I'm asking that you watch over them in their lives. I'm asking that you look after those, Lord, who really need you, that they may come in our path and eventually hear the truth. Lord, I'm asking that you pour steel down our spines, Lord, full of the Holy Ghost, that we may proclaim the gospel boldly, that we may have no fear of man, because you said, Lord, to fear he that has a heaven or hell to place you, but not what people can do to you, Lord, in this carnal present life. So, Lord, I'm asking that you get ever, get us all ready for the task at hand. I'm asking that you add your soldiers along, Lord. May we be a part of your army. May we be accounted worthy, Lord, to do all those things that you call us to do and that we may not speak in error. So I'm asking, Lord, that you bind every demonic spirit, every foul spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of perversion, Lord, every spirit that is anti-Christ. I'm asking that it be seized here. I'm asking that, my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we have a thirst for your word, that you become the number one priority, Lord, when it comes to doing your will, what you seek for your people to do, Lord, that we may do. I'm asking that you bless Martin and Laura. I'm asking that you I'm asking that you bless Eric and Holly, Lord. I'm asking that you look after Jake. Lord, he's young in the ministry, but Lord, he is willing. So I'm asking that you put him out there that he may do your will. I'm asking, Lord, that you strengthen Ryan's mind, Lord. Heal his body if he's sick. Lord, I'm asking that you enable him to go forward and do the work. Lord, continue to bless Chantel and Sarah, Lord, with everything that they're doing that they have a hunger and thirst for your word, Lord, place them where you need them to be, that they may do your will, for it is your will, Lord, not ours. I'm asking that you bless Mikkel, Lord, in his life. I'm asking that you bless Dan, Tracy, Karen, Sue, oh, Lord, all those, Lord, Karen's mom, oh, everyone, Lord, that doesn't have, that isn't here to be with us, Lord, may they continue to do your will. Lord, bless the sick, sick and shut in all demonic strongholds, Lord, to come against your people. I'm asking that they be torn down in your name, for the time is nigh, Lord, and we have to be serious about you and what you want us to do. We need clear understanding as to what your instructions are, and I'm asking that your Holy Ghost be here, Lord, to teach us and to present your word to us, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, a righteous and true and holy God, worthy to be praised. Lord, I'm asking that you look after Andrew's life too, Lord. May he continue to be there. And little Jacob, Lord, I'm asking that you look after him too. All those who need you, Lord, the time is drawing nigh. Lord, the conference is coming up, and I'm asking that you put your spirit there. I'm asking that you let those see, Lord, who want to see, 
Let the information get out, Lord, to the right people that we may reverence you, not for our own wishes, Lord, and the things that we want in this life, but to do what you call us to do, Lord, for you are almighty God, and you stand God alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, no, it felt like really praying today. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, today's study is going to be on relationship versus religion. Because I think a lot of people equate them to being the same. You know, I was talking to someone the other day about it, and, you know, they were, they practice other things like yoga and all this other stuff. And, you know, I had to tell them, um, because they believe, well, it doesn't matter who you pray to. You know, God is God. And I'm like, okay, if we have the same God, then the point would be that all the gods would say the exact same things. But we know that's not the case. All their practices are different. Everything that they believe is different. You know, and there's only one really claiming to be the true way. The funny thing about a lot of these religions is you don't hear a lot of Jesus being the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, or, you know, you don't hear about uh, their gods being the way. Their gods will tell you how to walk, and people fall in love with these gods, but not one of them has ever claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, except Jesus Christ. You know, so if your doctrine is different, then your gods are different. But people tend to think that whomever's up there in the heavens, that's God, and that's all there is to it. So um, from here, we're going to go into um, John 15. You know, we're going to get a lot of understanding here in the words of Jesus, what it is to have relationship, to know that he is the source of our lives. He's everything that we need. And if we abide in our own strength, then we don't have much. But if we rely on him, we can do all things. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. All right, we'll start at verse 1. These are the words of Jesus. The whole page is read. I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, uh, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So what we understand here just in verse 1 alone is, if Jesus is divine, you know, and the Father is that husbandman, then we know that we're supposed to be the bride. But we're supposed to be relying on this vine, you know, as far as the branches are concerned. Um, Key things here is the Father is the one that expects fruit to bear on the vine of Jesus, who's what? The author and finisher of our faith. But he's the vine. So we're supposed to be bringing forth fruit. Mm -hmm. And it says here that when, you know, and the father beareth fruit, I mean, which every branch uh, that that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So in other words, if if there is a, um, a branch that is starting to grow, that is starting to gain, then the Lord is like, okay, well, I'm going to clean it. So that way it can bring forth more fruit. This is the part of the sanctification process. You have a lot of Christians that don't think this is necessary. Jesus did it all. That's the end of it. So I can just kick back and wait. You know, when he slowly takes things out of our lives. So that way we can do the Lord's will. Now ye that are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, 
no more can ye except ye abide in me. So, you know, you need Jesus. Uh, verse 4. Is it 5? Five? 5. Okay. I am the vine, and ye, uh, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You know, some people would say, well, that means I can't do the will of God without him. No, he's saying without him, you can do nothing. Nothing means nothing. Zilch. Zero. So even for the unbeliever out there that's able to do some of the things he does, it's the grace of God. Verse 6. If a man bide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So, you know, when you're not bringing forth fruit, you know, withered away branches are like, they'll never bring forth fruit. And what the Lord understands here is, at the end of that time, you know, when we aren't doing His will, then, you know, there's nothing really left for you. You're going to have a withered, broken branch with you in the heavens? That doesn't make sense. You know, so it's not the Lord Himself picking on us, but the point is, is like, as we continue to read and we go through things and we study, you know, the more the Lord impacts your life, there are more that should know about it. You know, how can we have this good news and not say anything? We have to. We have to bring forth fruit. Because if you can't, what good are you to the vine if the branch is withered? People cut them off. They usually call them weeds. Okay, uh, verse 7. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Uh, it shall be done. So it's not saying it may be. You know, if you're productive and you're doing what the Lord calls you to do, you can ask. And this is a part of relationship um, where a lot of people would think, okay, I'm not hearing from him. I can't hear God's voice. That means you have cholesterol blockage in your spirit. There's too much that you can't hear yet because there are other things that are more important. So seeking relationship with the Lord, you hear. But you have a lot of people in church, you know, religious people, they'll tell you they hear from God all day. Now, you know, how can you hear from God and still do the things that you want to do in life? That's something that we should all be checked on because we would have to ask ourselves, is the Lord happy with our lifestyles and the things that we do? It's really about his will and what he wants us to do. That's the most important thing. If we're thinking about us, how we feel, yeah, that's great. But, you know, our will is supposed to be the will of the Lord. That's all a part of relationship. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So because you bear much fruit, you know, and uh, the Father glorified, I mean, the Father glorified, you know, that this shows you that you're doing the will of the Lord. When you're doing the will of the Lord, you bear fruit. Now, bearing fruit doesn't mean having large congregations, but there will be signs that are shown of your faith in your works. The fact that you have more of a thirst for God's word, you know, that's that's bearing fruit right there. The fact that we mature more in Christ. So it's not just about going out and winning souls. That's the ultimate goal is to overcome the world and everything like that. <laughs> but as we begin to bear fruit as babes in Christ, you start to desire more things concerning the Lord. No one has to drag you off to Bible study or to do anything anymore because you want to be there. You know, it's a part of you. Uh, nine, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. I mean, 
Continue ye in my love. Uh, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus is expecting you to do nothing different than what the Father does. I mean, than what he does with the Father. Even though that he, um, you know, he is our Lord and Savior, but he also receives commandments from the Father too. So it's not like he's just telling you, well, yeah, you need to do this. And he never had to do it or even be tested. He went first just to prove a point. Mm -hmm. uh, where am I? I'm 11. Mm -hmm. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So, you know, unless you really have the spirit of the Lord in you or you're seeking the Lord, you know, there's not a lot of joy in your life. All of a sudden you find yourself happy not as worried about things. Chantel, you can attest to that, you know? And it's all because of the Spirit of God. When we follow the Lord, that can happen to you. It's noticeable. Yeah. People around you notice. Yeah. Like there's just something about you that's just slightly different, you know? And Sarah and I, I mean, we talk about the Lord all day long. I mean, we never get sick of that subject. Yeah. It's funny you say that because uh, occasionally when I go to Sherry's, um, one of the waitresses in there and I think I haven't gotten really down to it yet but she acts different dresses different I mean she'll wear a skirt instead of wearing pants you know and maybe that's her preference but there's just something I mean because she works like three jobs and she'll talk to me at times but there's just something different about her compared to everyone else in there she's not as high strung she's got kind of a more of a lower tone when she talks, you know, her demeanor, you know, and you can just tell after a while, a while that right, there's something different about her. Yeah. Christians can identify Christians too. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that was possible because, you know, we never met Christians that act like Christians, but I mean, when you do, um, it's funny how you can just hear a person say certain things or do things mm -hmm. and it's like, man, you know, I bet you that person believes in Christ. It's almost like a sixth sense that you get. It's really weird, though, but that's a part of your discernment. Right. All right, so we'll go to, what is it, verse 12? Mm -hmm. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that he may, I mean, that a man lay down his life for his friends. See, now, everybody wants to use that word love loosely. There are three different words in the Bible for love. You know, one is charity. The other is like brotherly love. And I can't remember what the other one is, but the charity is the word agape, which means like the love from the Lord coming to you. Agape. You know? There's, and I know the other Philo one. is like brotherly love. One of them love. starts with E. The er, yeah. The er, yeah. Right. But, you know, it's like they all mean different things. But you see, with people in carnal minds, <laughs> love all means one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's usually romance. It doesn't really have anything to do with, well, you know, parents' love for their children. But the, the main word that's used here for love is usually um, agape, which means charity. So the King James actually quotes that right. Where all the other books say love, love can mean anything. But the truest definition of love is charity. You know, that's how you can show your love is through giving. If you love, be selfless. All right, um... But he's saying, yeah, greater than this. I mean, laying down your life for your friends. How many of us have that kind of love? 
I know, I know a lot of people that'll say they love you, but they ain't getting shot for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> forget that. They'll tap you on the shoulder. Hey, Lord be with you. I'll pray for you, man, but I'm not taking your place. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that is the greatest sign of love because you can't do the will of God if you fear death. You know, love itself, what does the Bible say? Perfect love cast out fear. When you have perfect love, that means that the love for the individual is greater than your own life. That doesn't mean, you know, be done wrong by people or be done dirty. No, there's a problem with that. But I mean like selfless and doing the will of the Lord. Selfless and giving someone your last. Knowing that the Lord will take care of you. That's Sarah. Well, no, it's just interesting how we were talking about that because one of the verses that came to my daily Bible app this morning through the email was Proverbs eighteen twenty four. A man that has friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. Like by Jesus Christ. Yeah, most friends are closer than brothers. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, it's a family by choice. Yeah, but you know what's interesting too is like how you got that, and I was actually going to talk about something different, you know. But um, the Lord switched me over to this, so this is why I'm going through this. But I mean, a lot of the times I don't know what I'm going to talk about until the last minute. Like if the Lord says I'm not okay with that, well, I want you to talk about this, then I'm going to switch it. Mm -hmm. So I get these things ready, man, and sometimes a matter of minutes because I'm not sure where I'm going. And that's why the Bible says to be ready in season and out of season because you never know. That's true. 14, ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever I command you, there's that if and then. (laughs) If you do what I command you, you are my friends. Now, some people would say, well, that doesn't sound like love at all. That sounds like control. No, God's judgment is righteous. You don't have to. um, He didn't say you have to do what I tell you to do. He said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Because a friend is not going to do things contrary to your cause. If your cause is to do something good, how can a friend go against you and and be counterproductive? You know, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his uh, Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Uh, For all the things that I have heard um, of my Father, I have made known unto you. So, you know, the Lord shares some of his deepest things with us. Everything that we have written here, you know, came from the Father, from the Lord. So, you know, that is a friend to be intimate. You don't leave friends in the dark. You let friends know things. So what the Lord is speaking of here is relationship. You know, if you do what I command you, you enter into relationship. That makes you a friend. But when you go into what we want to do outside of him, would you treat your friend like that? Like he's nobody to you? You know, he calls and you just look on his nut, look at the um, caller ID. I'll get to him later. (laughs) 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So again, he's back on that he has chosen us. The fact that we all got saved, miraculous intervention from the Lord. It's got nothing to do with us because we were out there in the world for a long time. If you believe in the Lord, it's because the Father sought you. He came after you. He told the Holy Ghost, to go get you. 
There's nothing that you do in your own strength. And that's why when the Lord does come, that, you know, you're usually ready. I mean, not everybody, but for those who listen, it's like something you get sucked into. It becomes the only thing that matters at the moment. Yep. But when he seats you, he's going to get you. Sometimes the little reminders are a bit odd. <laughs> My yeah. whole situation. Yeah. I mean, but you know, that's something that you could be proud of because you're not that way anymore. It was great how you got sick. All these things happened oh, to you. Yeah. But he tried to get your attention. That's what the Lord will do. He will get your attention. I know me, man. I had to hit rock bottom. You know, I mean, I had to, because I refused to go the way that he told me to. I had to fall on my face in trouble, just the Lord and I. Now I'm, you know, what did I say? Prayer is the last refuge of a scoundrel. It's true. Because at that point, it was, all right, Lord, I'm ready. Pull me out now, you know. And he didn't say no, because you wasted all my time. I think I'm going to leave you in there to suffer for a while. No, that's not the Lord we serve. Nope. When you're ready to come, he will, you know, he'll take you. But you better be ready when he comes for you. 17. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If the world, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world... Therefore, the world hates you. So one of the biggest identifying marks or our badge of honor is being hated by the world. When you talk about Jesus, you make people sick. You know, that should make you feel good. Not because you're provoking anyone, but you're, you're having something happen to you that Jesus went through. It's like an identification. Like, well, now, I, I mean, some people are just obnoxious and it's got nothing to do with you know, following the Lord. Some people you just don't like because they get on your nerves. But this is more like, okay, if you're doing his will, the world is sure to hate you. Yep. And that's why when, you know, we went through our situation, I told Sarah straight up, this is what we signed up for. Yeah. There's no turning back now. This is it. You know, your name in the paper and all this stuff going on. Hey, this is what you can expect when you're following the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And what did he do? Deliver us right out of it. Mm -hmm. He made our enemies our footstool. Uh, what is it? Uh, 20, right? Mm -hmm. right? Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So, you know, again, this is something that no one really wants to talk about, but... You know, it's kind of like if you have that friend in your life who might have just lost their husband. You know, they might have just lost a loved one or whatever the situation is. If you're a real friend or you're really intimate with that person, then you're going to be with that person through their trials and tribulation. Whatever it is that they're hurting from or they're suffering through, you know, you would go and take the kids to work. You know what I mean? Take the kids to school. You know, you would go and try and help out around the house because, you know, your friend is grieving. They can't really deal with it. So a real friend is going to help take that burden along with you. Not in stupid things. I mean, like in something that, you know, I mean, if your friend is hurt instantly, you should be hurt mm -hmm. because, you know, they're hurting. Mm -hmm. That's a part of intimacy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how people expect to do the things, you know, or expect to get everything from the Lord and not do what the Lord's will is. I mean, you know, you, when you become one with him, 
your thoughts are like his. Now, of course, that doesn't happen overnight, you know, but over time, we mature. As this thing goes further and further, the Lord is going to start stripping things off of you because why he can't work with you with you wrapped in the world. There's certain things he's going to take from you and you'll lose the desires. You'll lose fear of certain things. You'll lose desires of things. But in the beginning, yeah, I mean, you know, I even said to myself, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Like, you know, I want everything to be perfect, man. Everything's supposed to be good, but no, there's only two in this world, you know, two powers in this world, one definitely, you know, way over the other one, okay? But, you know, there's God and then there's Satan. Now, if you side with one, you will be the enemy of the other. There's no other way around that. If you become one of God's, you better believe Satan will come to see you over time. And you'll know it. I'm telling you, friends will drop off you. Family will turn against you. You know, there'll be lots of things that will happen, but these are signs that we're doing the will of the Lord. Mm -hmm. If you're loved by everybody, you know, then something ain't really right. If the whole world loves you. Because, you know, Jesus says that those that are of the world, or Paul said, cannot please God. That's what Romans 8 talks about. You're a friend of the world. You're the enemy of God. All right, 21. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. So they don't know the Father. Plain and simple. You're going to find this in a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of church people will hate you because you're following the Lord. They have replaced the Lord with the pastor. You know, the pastor is now Lord. I came across that (laughs) years ago in school, in in quote-unquote Christian school. Oh, doesn't it worse? No, it wasn't a Bible school. I mean, I was raised in Christian school my entire life. Those are the worst. Because (laughs) it's all about looking. It's all about what you appear to the outside, not what you appear to the Mm -hmm. inside, what really matters. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of those churches, a lot of the churches you find, people, it's they want to look perfect on the outside, but they're not doing the works within. Right. My, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. My sister used to work in the daycare department where my nephews went to school, and she told me that most of the parents that brought their kids to the daycare, both of them worked, and they wanted them to, uh, like, use them as the disciplinarian for their children and my sister you know she basically had to tell, you, tell some of the parents i'm like hey you know we that's not what we're here for you know we're here to watch your kids but that's your job <laughs> you need to instill the values right you yeah. need to be a part of their lives that's right charity begins at home for sure and i mean you know i've seen a lot of that in my churches too i believe that my family did believe or they do believe in the right jesus I totally believe that, but I think like in many ways, you know, they themselves were taught religion Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not going to say they don't have a relationship, but I'm sure we all don't have the relationship we could have because of religion. Religion won't allow you to get close to God. Religion, you can never pay the debt. You always got to do more. You always got to reach different heights and levels to be accepted by God. Now, sanctification, some people will say, well, you're saying the same thing. No, sanctification is being cleaned up while the Lord is working with you, Mm -hmm. you know, so you may do more for him. But it's not about you trying to earn it. It's about as much of the spirit as you want to receive. As much as you give to him control over your life, 
the more of the filling of the Holy Ghost that you'll have in your life, where your conscience will become greater. There were things that we used to do that we enjoyed, you know, and but when we were struck by the Holy Ghost and we began to change things in our lives, they become more and more foreign to us. You don't have a desire to do those things. One, because you know it hurts the Lord. And two, it's not in your nature anymore. So even when you try and go back to sin, I know because I've done it, you hurt. You know, there's something in you that just doesn't feel right. Even if you try to override what the Holy Ghost tells you to do, you only end up feeling like your heart's been ripped right out of your chest. You won't be able to sleep at night. So, And the further along you go, you don't even want to go back to that. Like, you would almost have to be forced to go back to that kind of sin because, you know, yeah. the Lord, you don't want to disappoint the Lord first right. and foremost. <laughs> right. And, you know, having a guilty conscience is one of the real signs that the Lord lives in you. Because there was a time you can do it and you wouldn't even have those thoughts. You might have felt weird, but you didn't have the thoughts of, I'm hurting the Lord. But man, when you sin, I mean, and the Lord has worked with you, man, you, you're just ready to lay down and die somewhere. I mean, it's just that feeling of, man, I just want to put my face in the ground, you know, cover it up. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, oh, okay, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. So, you know, Jesus was supposed to come and be that salvation to all men. Now, if people forsake that, then you've got no savior. There is no other savior. Not just that, you reject him, you reject the father. And you reject the Holy Ghost because he's not going to work with you if he came to bring, you know, the truth to you in Jesus Christ. You've lost him too. 24. If I had done, uh, if I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they, they had not, oh, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So, you know, this tells you here, notice how it says their law. Whatever law they're into, Jesus is talking relationship. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not talking Levitical law. Like a lot of people, you need to do this and that. He never called that law his. Right. He said what's written in their law will be fulfilled. Their law was the coming of the Messiah. I mean, you know, and all the prophets talked about him, the coming of the Lord. So if they're, they're supposedly a part of the law, a part of religion, but they don't even know the Messiah is standing right in front of them. They can read and quote it. And that's why you got people to this day that are in that faith in Judaism. They're still waiting for their Messiah to come. All these other religions, they're waiting for their Messiah to come. But they don't believe Jesus did, you know, come. Well, he was the Messiah. Now they're even questioning because he's made such an impact. Does he even exist at all? You know, and I mean, it's like ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They question him, but they don't question Julius Caesar or any of the others. <laughs> even though there's more evidence to support he existed. Right. Of Jesus, I mean. Uh, 26. But when the Comforter is come, now you know that's the Holy Ghost, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, uh, he shall testify of me. So clear signs of knowing if someone has the Holy Ghost, you know, especially as a teacher, 
you know, or those that are out to win souls. It's not going to be on what you do. It's going to be glorifying the Lord. The Holy Ghost only comes to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ and bring you into all truth. If someone starts talking some other mess, that's not the truth. That's not the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll find a lot of pastors, like I said, they'll go in, put on a good show, do all these things, but they ain't mentioned Jesus one time. They'll tell you how to live. They'll tell you this and that, but they're not pushing him. They're not fighting for him. So that's a clear sign that the Holy Ghost doesn't live in an individual if they're not glorifying the Lord, because that's all he's going to do. That's all you're going to want to talk about. Not that you won't have other things, of course, but he becomes the main focus behind why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. 27. And ye also shall bear witness, because uh, ye have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus says, from the beginning. Like even before the world began. All right, we'll go to John 16. Anybody want to add anything? No? Yeah. Good. Uh, one thing I wanted to add about the religious mind, because the religious mind really does put conditions on what the Lord can do for us. And that's Absolutely. why a lot of things are not manifested through people, because they say, oh, that was back then. You can't do that, you know, anymore. But in saying that, you're saying that God can't, instead of saying he can. You know. Yeah, it even puts restrictions on God. Right. Not that he can't do what he wants to do regardless, but people want to take them and lump them in a box. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Lord would have done that, but he don't do that anymore. You know, and most of these people will tell you about the Lord don't know him anyways. They have no relationship. <laughs> yeah. Because if they believed that they would be saying, you know, they would believe in the stuff that he's written down. Right. The stuff that's here. Mm -hmm. So how can you go against his word or believe different than his word, you know, and then do his will or, or believe in Christ? That's, I mean, that's contrary to what he wants. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is the only thing that we need to focus on is relationship. Yeah. When we're in God and he's in us, your mission is over. You don't even have to try. You have the mind of Jesus Christ. You have his ways. You'll be a reflection of him. And that's why he says we'll all be um, purged, I think, in a furnace of affliction. We'll be tried mm -hmm. in a furnace of affliction. Why? Because it's just like that gold that people that work in that world, when they talk about when gold is pure, you can see your reflection in it. This right. is how they know when you're dealing with pure gold. You know, so all of the um, toxins have to be burned out of it. Not that that's what you'll literally be burned. It's more like, you know, as you go through this affliction in your life, the Lord starts to cut the world out of you. Right. To where you become that lean piece of meat, you know, that the Lord wants to use. You become that vessel where it's like, okay, now when I look in this image, it should have my reflection in it. Right. So that's what the sanctification and all that is about. All right, we'll go to uh, uh, John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. Uh, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Now, of course, Jesus was speaking to the apostles here, but he's also speaking to the church in the future as far as they go, because, you know, if we talk the stuff that we're talking now about relationship, you hear a lot of people in church talk about it, but see, when you start going that route, they become offended in you. They don't like what you have to say. 
Like, oh, how come you're not in church? Oh, no, I just stay home. I read my Bible, you know, get to be one with the Lord. See, they don't understand that because they're religious-minded. They would feel like, no, that's not doing God's will. You need to be in the church and blah, blah, blah. When the church is the body of Christ, the yeah. word church, ecclesia, mm -hmm. meaning called out ones, those that are called forth. You know, like Chantel quoted that day with uh, Alan here, you know, she said, well, where are two or more in my name? There I am in the midst. But people think you got to be in these large congregations. The Lord already said that's not going to happen. His body is not going to be a whole bunch of people. Right. I mean, he says that all the time. Right. Because those people are religiously indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and yeah, there are a lot of people in church, like I said, if you're following the Lord, uh, referring to verse 2, you know, you're talking relationship, and you will be seen as the enemy. You know, when you say to, your, to them, well, your pastor, he's no different than any other man to me. These people will beat you down and throw you That's out for serious. something like that. <laughs> you go in a church and you say, well, we need to uplift Lord and not some man and watch what happens to you. Because people are drawn into religion. They think the pastor is someone sacred when he's just another man that should be, you know, have the Lord ahead of him. The head of every man is Christ. Verse 3. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. Again, I hate to use certain people as examples, but, you know, when we first started this study that Sunday, this is what we dealt with. Yeah. I asked him straight out. So if I wasn't in a church, what would you do? Would that make me the enemy? And he said, oh, I'll just scoot over. <laughs> you know, so in other words, like, I've got a problem because I'm not in a building with a bunch of people. You know, and, and that's the religious mind. He felt like everything we did was wrong. Why? Because we didn't talk about the word of God the way that he felt we should have. But then on top of that, it was the religious indoctrination that wanted to have everything the way that he's used to it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it didn't matter about who was saying what. The question he wanted to ask is, are you a pastor? Is this a church? You know, and he came to teach, but yeah, you know, I think it was a lot more to it than that. Yeah. All right. Um, verse four. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. So in other words, when Jesus was with them, he was the comforter. This is why he says, I believe in verse 14, or maybe even in this one, where he says, another comforter will come. So he was the first comforter. Mm -hmm. You know, he knew that they wouldn't be ready to receive what he had to say. Why? They didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. But once he did in Acts, the second chapter, when he said, receive the Holy Ghost, then they became more spiritually matured and full of God that they were able to just, I mean, if you notice, it didn't even take long. The moment he breathed unto them and they received the Holy Ghost, they went right out and did the work. I mean, of course, for three and a half years, they had instruction from the Lord too first. So I'm not just saying like he just found some vessels and breathed the spirit into them. They obviously had to know. Had the right. To have the understanding, you know, to do the will. But right after that, he breathed into them. So this is what he's saying. You guys have me as a comforter, but you don't have the Holy Ghost yet. Mm -hmm. So you can't explain, like we talked about in previous studies, to a natural-minded person something spiritual. 
One, you'll either get locked up in the nut house, or two, you know, they just won't understand what you're saying. They won't get it, so it takes a transformation. Oh, where am I? Five. Uh, but now I may go my way to him, to the Father that sent me, and none of you ask, asketh me, whither, <laughs> whither goest thou? Uh, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Holy Ghost had to be here, had to be a part of it, because you get, you get the part of God that you need for growth. See, Jesus was the instructor. Jesus is God, but he had to give them what he had. Jesus, um, what, he uh, was baptized and he received the Holy Ghost and the Bible says that the Holy Ghost stayed on him. But then he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days to crucify the flesh, you know, so that it wouldn't interfere with the ministry. Right. But here, you know, when you look at it and it talks about, um, he said, sorrow hath filled your heart. Now, this is a mouthful right here. He says in verse 6 again, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, how many pastors would really, if they even understood that the only way to getting through to people is through truth in Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, people may be offended about, you know, the sin in their lives and things that they're doing, but we're supposed to be telling people the truth. Nevertheless, you've got to know this. I'm not going to be accountable for not telling you. Right. You know, so the Lord holds us at the same standard. The other thing about sending the comforter is when they say God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing everywhere, you know, almighty, the thing is, is that, that explains the Trinity too. All-knowing, almighty, almighty is the Father. Mm -hmm. You know, all-knowing because he's the word, a type of logos, that's the Son, and then you got the Holy Ghost that's omnipresent. He can be everywhere. Yep. He can be in all people. So you see, the Holy Ghost does, in some ways, a better job because it's all spirit, that the Spirit of God lives in us. I mean, isn't that awesome? The Holy Ghost is there with the Father. He works in the Son. He created everything. He's in each and every one of us. Yeah. And he's trying to get the unbelievers to believe. I mean, you know, what an awesome work. That's like tireless. That's probably why you can't, uh, well, no, probably about it. That's why you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. No, because the Holy Ghost, like that's the Bible the describes, that's the power of God, but that is the apple of God's eye right. because he knows that the Holy Ghost is doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost is being grieved constantly by us from the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's like he's trying to get us all right, that where we accept the truth. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Ghost does, I mean, a work that only God can do. You know, and I believe he also is God. He's yeah. God's spirit. Yeah. All right, verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Another thing with the Holy Ghost is, if you refuse Him, you refuse the Father. You refuse the Son. If the Father sent the Son, and the Son sends the Holy Ghost, then, you know, if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you blaspheme the Son and the Father. Mm -hmm. It even says in Mark that you can blaspheme the Son, the Father and the Son, and be forgiven. But the Holy Ghost, if you blaspheme, you'll never be forgiven. 
not in this life or in the one to come. So at times when we don't understand things in the spirit, we should just be quiet. You know, instead of saying, oh, that ain't come from God. If you look at this, hey, you got to be real careful with that. Mm -hmm. You know, because you don't know who's walking with the Holy Ghost and we're doing a work for the Lord. But there will be signs and things, too, that the Lord will show you, that's not my work. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do that. Right. You know, but it better be spiritually spiritually discerned. Yep. Uh, Verse 9. Of sin, because they Mm -hmm. believe not on me. Um of righteousness because I go uh, to my father and see me no more of judgment because the prince of the world is judged isn't that funny I mean how he just gave three examples you know one thing we'll we'll understand if you read God's word especially the King James because it closely correlates with the Hebrew but God always has his signature on things like in threes you know the father the son the Holy Ghost You know, the water, the blood, the spirit. But it's just so funny how you'll have these things. Here you get three of of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go not to my father. I mean, I go to my father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So what this tells you here is, you know, Satan is the prince of this world. He's been judged. There's not a question of him thinking he's going to win this. He's not going to win. He's already been judged. When did that happen? You know, well, he was judged on Calvary, which hasn't occurred yet. But Jesus knew that this work was about to be fulfilled. So Satan's not going to win. And that's why we can't have fear of him or anything that he does. He's already defeated. You know, so to back off now is kind of like, (laughs) like, you know, you're yielding. You're going to join him in his defeat. Mm -hmm. That's like seeing something dangerous tied up. And you're afraid to come near it, you know, but it's bound. It can't do anything to you. Uh, Verse 12. And I'm not saying that too. Let me say this too. I'm not saying that the enemy, even though he's lost, he can't do anything. He can do a lot. A lot of people underestimate the influence that he has in even a Christian's life where we are led into error and making lots of mistakes. I know because he's made a fool of me time and time again. Uh, verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So everybody knows what that is. You know, let's go to, um, well, stay where you are, but let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. We'll start at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. All right. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with strong meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So what we got to understand here is what Paul is explaining, that the reason why Jesus knew they couldn't bear it is because they were babes in Christ. They had to have a filling of the Spirit to be more spiritual minded, to understand the things that Jesus Christ wanted them to understand. And that's why even with us, if we're out there trying to win souls and talking to people in the Lord, 
we can turn back. But um, talking to people in the Lord, we got to be careful because a lot of people can't receive this. They they they're just not spiritually minded. They may I mean well you can I'm not saying to not talk to them, but there should be ways that you can break things down to where they can understand. You have to know right then and there that this person isn't ready for this. You know, you give a child a steak, I mean a baby, a newborn, the child's going to choke. So it's the same thing here. If we feed the word, we have to be responsible. I told you guys stay there and now I'm trying to get back to it. All right, I'm at 16 verse... Is it 12? Okay, yeah, he said you cannot bear them. 13, how be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that uh, shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. So what we understand here is you will have the gift of prophecy. You will understand you will seek things concerning the end times. Why? Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost is showing you this stuff. Why? So Jesus said, and even in verse 1, These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. So if you're being told some of this stuff, it's so you won't get caught by surprise. Because a lot of people out there waiting on that false rapture, I'm telling you. What's going to happen with a lot of people? They're going to put all their stock and their eggs in that, and they're going to feel great. When it doesn't happen... A lot of people are going to say, you know what? There is no God. There couldn't possibly be one because I believe that there was a rapture. So Jesus is telling us ahead of time because one day we're not going to have people teaching us this. Mm -hmm. We're going to be dealing with this to where you're going, to, you're going to remember. Wait a minute. Jesus told me this. So if Jesus told you all this stuff that came true, then his promises for eternal life and all that he plans for you are true too. That ought to give you more boldness in the Lord. Knowing that, wait a minute, there isn't one thing in this book that was said that, that did not either come to pass or is, you know, that it's not, well, it is coming. But for some of us, it's like, you know, well, I believe some of this, but I don't know about the rest. You either take this book as a whole or you throw it all away because all of it here is truth. All right, if everything he said is going to happen is true, then everything that he wants to do is going to, I mean, everything that he promised us is true too. What? I'm just going to say that the end's not going to be pretty. I'll just put it to you that way. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, but he did say that pray that you be accounted worthy to escape the things that are coming up on the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to keep that spiritual mind in him. But expecting to just get out of here with no responsibilities, nah. You know, I mean, if the disciples and Jesus Christ himself suffered, then we're going to suffer. It doesn't mean everybody's going to die like them. I'm not saying that. The point I'm making is, is that people are going to hate you. That's a sign of persecution. You know, you are not going to be liked. You know, as you, as you mature, you will start to lose fear of things. And I'm not saying, like, I wouldn't fear any of this. But, you know, the more I interact with the Lord, the more I trust him. Yeah. The more I believe, no matter what is going to come, I'm going through it. He's going through it with me. I mean, it's just Good. things are going to yeah. happen. And I can't explain, I won't say most recent things, but times past, I believe that he's shown me stuff. 
in you know dreams and it's like you, you know you can't be afraid of what he shows you and some people would like to say well you can't have dreams and visions and all that anymore I'm like, yeah you can <laughs> well yeah well I mean most of the people that think their dreams are just repressed desires you know they have left very little understanding of man's makeup because when you dream you are in the spirit realm you are people think I mean oh it's just you know something to occupy you, you're thinking while you're sleeping. No, you're in the spirit realm. I mean, you even think of the fact that, well, I mean, not for everybody, but for some, how everything freezes down. You don't even have to go to the bathroom and you sleep for eight hours. Now, how does that work out? They'll tell you, oh, the mind, you know, <laughs> the mind can do anything. But just think of the fact that, you know, you see things while you're asleep. I mean, the fact that, and see, this is where people make the mistake. There's the brain and then there's the mind. Two different things entirely. You know, the mind is interesting because the brain only uses the, um, what's the word? The electrical, you know, uh, right. You know, where you're able to see. Right. Where you're able to see, move your limbs here, this and that. But how is it, though, that you could sit there with your eyes wide open, not see the wall in front of you, and you're thinking, your mind is going somewhere else like a daydream. But your eyes are wide open. Now, how do you blink that out? One is the mind. The other is the physical brain. Well, like when you lose, you don't even know that you're daydreaming until you get snapped back to reality. Like you don't even, like you'll, you'll daydream. And, you, yeah. and you're looking at the person like, what are they staring at? And they're completely spaced out somewhere. Yeah, I mean, think about the thing like even when you're texting and walking, like, have you ever, you know, driven home and you don't even remember how you got there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just find yourself pulling up in the driveway, you but your no, mind is elsewhere. Yeah, you have no remembrance of the trip. <laughs> right. Or even like when you're walking and texting and you're making turns and things, but you're not looking ahead of you, but you still see everything around you. Now, I'm not speaking against peripheral vision and stuff like that, but subconsciously, you're not even using that. You're not even thinking about it. Yeah, so, um, let's see. Or, you know, you ever had things happen to you in your life, and you'll say, something told me not to go there. Yeah. You know, and you went anyways. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, your spirit, you know, and and everything else. You know, there's, there's some things you just know that you know, but you just can't explain them. Yeah. And I just want to make a quick point, and then I'll get off of it. So we can get to the lesson. But and I hate to put it to you put it this way, but the Terminator movies are not that far fetched as to what's gonna come. And I, I don't say that just to, to refer to a movie, but just things that I've seen, you know, they're not that far fetched. Not really Well they've got the technology for yeah. all that stuff now. No. That stuff's going on. You know, so yeah, uh, 14. is it 14? All right. He shall glorify me, uh, for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. So, you know, that's a clear sign again. We're going to see with the Holy Ghost. He's going to glorify the Lord. And there are times, man, in here when I know we get off the subject of Jesus, I can almost feel like the Holy Ghost saying, you know, I think let's get back, you know, what we need to do. Right. Uh, 15. All things that the Father hath are mine, 
Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall shew it unto you. See, so, you know, how can people not even think Jesus himself is God, when the Father's given him everything, including judgment? They always say, who can judge but God alone? God himself is going to judge. But people got to get past the point of, you know, God just being the Father. The Father is God. But the Son is also God, too, and so is the Holy Ghost. Those three are one. Uh, 16. Uh, a little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is it that, what is this that he saith unto us, A little while, and he shall not see me? And again, a little while, he shall see me, or ye shall see me. <laughs> and because I go to the Father, uh, they said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while, we cannot tell what he saith. Now, Jesus knew that they were uh, desirous to ask him and said unto him, do ye inquire among yourselves uh, of that, of that I said, a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. So again, he's talking about the world, how the world will be glad to see him go, you know, but, you know, we'll be sorrowful, but then it'll be turned into joy. 21. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Important words, because, you know, when it comes down to it, Jesus, and how do I know this isn't just based on the apostles, is because he said, you will see me again. Now, they did see him again when he rose from the dead. He wandered around for 40 days. Remember, he told Thomas to touch his side. Mm -hmm. You know, they were out fishing. He told them to cast their net. Mm -hmm. All these experiences that they had with the Lord. But this is Jesus speaking to us too. Why? We will see him again. Whether you're a saint or a sinner, you're going to see Jesus again. Right. It depends on what side of things you'll be on when he comes. So these words, it's funny how when you hear the words of God, it's like for all time. You can't take the words of God and stick them in one moment in time. It's like he spoke for them, but generations to come. Just like the words of someone who was outside of time would say. They would, you know, affect all time because they're sitting outside of it. Um... Where am I, 23? 25. Am I? Uh, I think it's 23. It's 23, I think. Well, I'll go to 22. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but, oh yeah, this is it. I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no more taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will, he will give it to you. See, this is talking relationship. 
Hitherto have I asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, uh, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall uh, shew you plainly of the Father. At that day uh, ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you, that I will pray the Father for you. So, you know, a lot of the times when we're doing wrong, it's Jesus that's going to the Father and interceding. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, imagine having an attorney like that. You know, a Savior in court. You're about to be judged. You know, there's a lot of things that go on, and that's like the devil saw you do it. He's the prosecutor. You know, Your Honor, I've seen him. You know, hear all the witnesses to what this guy has done. You know, everybody saw you do it. You're guilty. The only thing stopping the judge from coming down with that gavel is the man in the back of the of the court saying, hold on, <laughs> I've got this. Yep. You know, I mean, because he's with me. So you can't charge a man, even in, even in a regular court, double jeopardy, you know, for something. The fact that he paid the price. So, I mean, you know, what an attorney. What a friend. Yep. What an awesome God. Uh, where am I? 27. Mm -hmm. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have, because, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father. And am come into the world again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So this is his explanation to them saying, you'll see me for a little while, I'll leave and I'll come back. You know, he's just, you know, stretching it out here. 29, his disciples said unto him, lo, now speakest thou plainly and speaketh no proverb, speakest no proverb. Now we are sure, I mean, now are we sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. So, you know, the funny thing about Jesus is, the fivefold gifts, Jesus acted in all five. He is an apostle. Well, he did build the church. You know, he's a prophet. He's an evangelist. He's a teacher. He's a pastor. Look at the teaching here, how he was able to stretch out this parable, because they didn't understand what he said the first time. But so much so to where they can all say, oh, now I get it. This is what a teacher should be able to do, to give clearer understanding. But you don't speak over the heads of children and then expect everybody to get it. You know, so he was able to break it down, but he also discerned that they didn't understand, which is why he went into it. Because they weren't going to ask him what he meant. They were just going to mumble among themselves. All right, 29. Oh, wait, I'm up to uh, 31, right? Yeah. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Uh, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of, the, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You know, important thing here, they were all, well, we believe you're the Son of God. A lot of people with no relationship, they're going to believe Jesus is the Son of God. They're going to believe that they're with him. Mm -hmm. But what they're going to be fooled with is, and you're in religion, outside of relationship, you're going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. Because the Lord himself don't know you. 
Right. You know, it's just like if you talk about any celebrity, anybody you want. You know, you can talk about, um, I don't know, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. You know, anybody famous that you know. But the thing is, you can sit there and say you know them all day long. Oh, I know you. Yeah, you know about them. You don't know them because they don't know you. Right. So how can you say you know God and you have no relationship with him? You have to get to know him. You know, it's just like Paul Washer said, Jesus has to know you. If Jesus knows you, what does he say on that last day in uh, Matthew 7? You know, um, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. That means you never had a relationship. Mm -hmm. That word for know is, is, you know, that's a word of intimacy. Like Adam knew his wife and they conceived. So you have to know God. You have to be with him. But if he doesn't know you, you can say all the things you want. Jesus, right. remember you walked on the water? Yeah, remember you did this? Remember you did that? And he's like, yeah, you know some things about me, but you don't know me. Why? Because I don't know you. Right. That's how I know. So we have to know him. All right, anybody want to add anything? Okay, let's go to uh, John 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son uh, may also glorify thee. So this is like a prayer to Jesus to the Father, you know, really pretty much all of 17. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life, uh, eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That word for power there is exousia, meaning authority. You know, that's not a supernatural word. There's two words in the Greek for power. One is dunamis, which is dynamite. And then there's exousia, which means authority. All right, uh, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they might... Uh, know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I mean, look at the prayers of Jesus interceding for us, even though he's the one that's about to be crucified. Mm -hmm. But he's interceding for us, for relationship's sake. Well, you know, for the sake of the world, but you have to accept the gift. Right. Uh, verse three, 4, I think. I have glorified thee on the earth, and have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You see, now you look at this here. He finished the work that the father gave him to do. Now, what is that? Second uh, Timothy. Let's go to Second Timothy four real quick. But one thing you'll find is a huge parallel between Paul and Jesus, or even those that followed the Lord. Okay, we'll start in verse uh, 6. All right, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. For I am now ready to be, to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Sound familiar? I have fought the, a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, uh, the, righteousness, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So that tells you here, 
Paul himself, a regular man of God, relationship with God, kept the faith. You know, he, he's pretty much repeating the same words that Jesus repeated. Now, how many of us can say that? I'm not saying we're all going to be Paul. But you see, in the spirit, they understood that they were fulfilling the word of the Lord, his will. That's why the Bible says we have to make our calling and our election sure. You got to know you're getting there. The only way you know is through relationship. Mm -hmm. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more the Lord will know you, the more his thoughts will be yours, the more his will will flow through you. So that's what we have to know. But you see a parallel here with Paul and Jesus. All right, back to uh, John 17. I always tell everybody to stay there, and then I can't find it. <laughs> 17 verse. All right, yeah, back to 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So this is Jesus remembering a time when he was with the Father, before he went through all of this. Can you imagine how tough it must have been for God to come down here and stink in flesh and be here with you? Knowing more than you, understanding more than you, mm -hmm. but tolerating that for 30 years, 33 years. I mean, just imagine what he did, how he allowed his creation to spit on him and do all these things to him, whipped, all this stuff. And he had the power. He said, no man taketh my life, but I lay it down on my accord. I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again. But he said, this, this commandment comes from my father. So he was obedient even unto death. I don't think we understand what that means. In time, I think we'll mature enough to where we will. You know, but it's really about the Lord's will. Uh, five and oh, six. I have manifested thy name unto the men which uh, thou gavest me out of the world. Uh, thine they were, and thou gavest uh, them me, and they have kept my. Uh, they have kept thy word. So interesting here, yeah, you know, the apostles and those that Jesus had touched, they were given from the Father. The Father gave him them, and what happened? He was able to, I mean, he, he was faithful with what the Father called him to do. I'm sure they tried him a few times, you know, but the thing is, is that he, he finished the work that the Lord gave him to do. If we win people to Christ, you know, one of the things that... Um, what happened is, you know, a lot of them, they said, well, what does the Bible say? That um, whom the Lord finishes a work in or does a good work, he'll finish it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of these people are going to be drawn to the truth. They will follow you. They'll, the Lord will give you people to teach. That's why it's important that we learn all we can. Because as long as we teach, we ourselves have teachers. And the Holy Ghost is the greatest teacher of all. Yep. All right, verse 7. Now they uh, have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the worlds, I mean the words, ooh, excuse me. I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So understanding here, he gave them the truth. They received it, but he fed that. He constantly gave them truth. They stayed up under him and learned the way. 
This is the will of God. Because this is what Jesus is speaking of right now. Getting other people in. Willing vessels. You know, you guys may be better soul winners than me. Y'all don't look as threatening. You know, you guys like to laugh and joke and be nice to people. And I mean, you know, that's an awesome thing to, to have. Some people, if people naturally talk to you and they love to be around you and you're a child of God, they should be learning about Jesus Christ from you. Why? Because you can bring that to them. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch. See, a lot of the times the enemy will put ideas in your mind. Hey, you talk about that. You're going to get yourself in trouble. See, the devil will always play that off in your mind. But when you start, just throw a little bit out there and just see. There are times I don't come at people with the straight gospel unless they really push me, you know, to that point. But often it's, you know, you beat around the bush a little bit, see where they are. Some people will take the bait. There are times we got to look for those. Um, I think Laura said once, you know, um, she calls them doors and windows. You know, I just call them like opportunities, you know, like where you see through things. But the spirit of discernment will tell you, okay, um, the person might even say, I don't know what to do in my life. You know, I probably need to go back to church. Now, that's a key time to inject the Lord in. There are times, man, when people come to us and they're beaten down and they're defeated and they talk about, you know, they ask, well, how am I going to get through my life? Everything is messed up. I feel like I'm missing something. And you sitting there, a vessel of the Lord won't open your mouth. That's the time that to imply, you know, Jesus will give, a lot of the times he brings the people to us and we don't follow what he tells us to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, of course we're supposed to go out and get souls, but some of us don't even notice when they drop right on your doorstep. Like a present, gift wrapped, with an address on it. You know, and we're still, uh, I'm not so sure I should. Why? It was mailed to your house. <laughs> this is your address. <laughs> you know, so these are things that we need to think about. Yeah. Sometimes you think you're too much in a hurry. It's true. Uh, no. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. You see? So those that are outside of the world, they belong to the Lord. And those are the ones that he prays for. He has grace and mercy on those who are unsaved. But the ones that he prays for are those that know him. Verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Meaning again, Holy Ghost comes, Holy Ghost lives in you, we all know it. Why? We glorify the Lord. That doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes in your life. But what it means is you will glorify God, you know, with your speech, with the things we do. And we've all been guilty of not doing this. But the point is, is that, you know, this should be the goal. This is what it's about. The whole world should know that we belong to Jesus Christ. When people look at, they think of Christ, or they look at you, they should see Jesus. And you'll know it, because they'll hate you. But I'm saying a lot of people, you know, will come to the truth. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name uh, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. You see? So when you're a manifested child of God, he's saying that they'll be one as he and the Father are. So you can be one to Jesus like the Father is with Jesus Christ. It's like a chain link. And this is why we should know to have that relationship. People see us, they should see Christ. 
verse 12. Most of the church, you don't see that. Why? Because they don't talk about Jesus Christ. They talk about the fake Jesus, the one that doesn't exist, the one that they have fabricated, you know, that they have, uh, that's a part of their imagination. That's the Jesus that people believe in. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name. Those that, that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So son of perdition he's talking about here is Judas Iscariot. That's what he's talking about, son of perdition, because he's saying well, the scripture might be fulfilled. Because he was just talking about those that he had. They were the 11 that believed. But you had one that was a devil that we read about last week or the week before that wasn't of him. So, well, 13. And now come I to thee in these things. I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, uh, and the world uh, had hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You know, and a lot of people, again, these are basic instructions. Jesus is telling people how to live, how to walk, what to do. You'll find the church not doing it. The reason is, hold where you are. Let's go to Second uh, Corinthians, verse 11. I mean, not verse 11, verse 1. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1. All right, everybody there? Mm -hmm. All right. Would to God ye uh, could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So this tells you, to be a part of the Lord, you have to be corrected. You know, that's what a chaste virgin is. You know, beating your butt when it needs to be, running you out of that place that you shouldn't be in. But I fear lest by uh, any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So this tells you right here, that there's another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. And this is what the churches are going into. This, If he were to take away this Jesus, I mean, out of modern day belief systems, you know, modern day Christianity, That'd be every church would be shut down. You may find one somewhere out in the desert somewhere, you know, on the borders of Oregon. You know, that's where you would probably find it. But most of these churches are following another Jesus. I mean, when you think about how Jesus was, there was nothing weak about him. You want to talk about hard preaching. I mean, everything that we read so far can be hard for those in the churches today. You must change. You have to do this. You need to abide in me. Now, some people don't understand that because abiding in Christ to them is going to the church and listening to this moron for about 45, 50 minutes. You know, no relationship. And you know what's funny? 
They don't even open their Bibles again up until they come back next Sunday. You should be reading this book, learning all that you can in it. All right, so let's go back to uh, John 17 and verse, I think it's 15. Yeah, because he said, even as I am not of the world, 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So you see, a lot of people want the um, rapture thing. A lot of people don't want to deal with this stuff. He's not commanding that they be taken out of the physical world, you know, which is the aeon, you know, here. You know, or um, there's two words in the, there's two words for world, and that's aeon and cosmos. Cosmos is like the actual world, like Earth. The aeon is the age that we're living in. So he's talking about taking them out of the world, or the, I believe this is world cosmos. But, you know, he's not saying, you're not going to leave here until I come back for you. Okay, so while you're here, you got to do the will of the Lord. You know, he's talking about protecting them. So he's not going to take you away from conflict. He's going to put you in the midst of it and take care of you while you're doing his will. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, uh, 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So, you see, this is why a lot of the churches are dealing with what they're dealing with. They're not getting the truth. How can you be sanctified? This is why people feel like we don't have to have a relationship. We can do all the things that we want to do, and God is okay with that. Because they're not getting the word. You can't quote one verse in here and talk for 30, 50, you know, an hour, and think that that's enough meat. If you're a pastor, man, you're supposed to be delivering this book. This is why people don't graduate from church. This is why 50 years later, they're still sitting in there taking notes when they're supposed to be out there winning souls to the Lord, starting their own ministry. Anybody want to add anything? Anybody don't understand? Anybody think I'm crazy? <laughs> uh, 18. As thou hast sent me uh, into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So you see, I mean, Jesus is like our example. I mean, everything that he says to do, if we send him, if he, I mean, if the Father sent him, he's sending us. And this is how he becomes, or the Bible says in um, 1 Timothy 3.16, they call him everlasting father because Jesus himself is a father to us, like the father is to him. I mean, the God the father is the father overall, but Jesus at times acts like a father. Um, let's see, uh, 19, for this, oh, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth, you see, neither pray for I, I mean, neither pray I for, for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, so, you know, you believe on him through your word, your word means your testimony, you know, what you're supposed to be spreading out, what we're supposed to be talking about. 21. And they all may be one, as uh, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, uh, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. 
So that tells you right there that, um, you know, again, the Father sends the Son, the Son sends us. This is what we have to do. This is how you're really in. 22. And the glory which thou uh, gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means as far as this one goes. That may not sound like much, but you know, yeah, people are going to hate you. People are not going to want to be around you. But do any of us really understand what it is to be one with God? You know, we have no idea what we're passing up because we've loved the world for so long. But if we knew what that was like, what fulfillment, what contentment, you know, just to be able to be one with God, to have his thoughts, to see things outside of what most people do. Most people won't understand why we have never given it all to him, to where he's lived in us to the fullest. So that is the goal. That's why he says might be one. Why? Because most people won't. You know, but this is the goal. 23. I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know, may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved me, uh, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will uh, that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, uh, for thou lovest for thou lovest me, <laughs> before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the word hath not known thee, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these uh, have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. You know, so it's like, again, these are really like the words of, Jesus' relationship with the Father is the relationship that we're supposed to have with Jesus. Everything that he did, he went forward with, was his love for the Father. You know, and this is how we have to be. We really do have to have the Lord in us and us in him. We can't do it on our own. There's no way that you can just, you know, I know it sounds hard, but I mean, it gets easier as you go along to follow him. It really does. It's not a. It's not hard if we yield to him. But I mean, again, what we have to get out of us is this love for the world. We love the world and everything in it. And that's why we put God on Sundays and we have our six days a week. And sometimes that's still not enough. Sometimes, you know, we still want, well, I'm not going to um, have time with the Lord today either. So there goes seven straight days, no God. No relationship, no no time spending together, no doing things with him. We should all set aside a day for the Lord. And that's what the Sabbath was all about. But you got people not doing that anymore. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Nothing. You all right? Uh, what is it like you um you feel sick or something? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, 
guess we'll, um, but you know, that was the lesson today as far as um, relationship with the Lord, you know, things that we can expect, things that we have to do. And um, so I guess right now, um, no one has any questions at all. We can just pray out and, um, you know, get past it. All right. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that we've shared in your word and having all truth, Lord, in your understanding as to what we need to do in our lives. Lord, I'm not sure what spirit's here, but I'm asking that it be bound in the name of Jesus. Lord, that my sister Sarah, Lord, gets clean, that everything goes well with her, Lord, wherever she's hurting, wherever she's troubled, whatever's going on in her life, Lord, I'm asking that it be lifted and it be bound today. Lord, I'm asking that you give us victory over all things, including sickness and death. Lord, all the spirits, Lord, that oppress your people, I'm asking that these things be moved. I'm asking that we be changed and we be fixed. I'm asking that we go out and we do your word, Lord, and that your word not be in vain. Lord, I curse the demonic spirits that come over this group right now. I curse whatever it is, Lord, that wants to come against your body. Whatever it is in the Lord, Lord, I'm asking that you rebuke it. Whatever the enemy tries to come forward with, whatever he wants to do, Lord, to stop your work from being done or to come against your people, I'm asking that it be silenced in the name of Jesus. For the devil has no jurisdiction here, but only the Holy Ghost and all that he stands for. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord, build this body, build this ministry, make us strong in you. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, that I barely get to see and those that I speak to. Give our families the understanding of your word and all you desire. Things that trouble us, Lord, let them be ceased. Because, Lord, you said you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So if it's the flesh, the world, and the devil that we need to come against now, Lord, I'm asking that it be moved away. I'm asking that they have no place here, thoughts of the world, desires of the carnal heart. Lord, let them be ceased. Thou will be done in all that needs to be. Lord, you know what it is. You know what's troubling this group. You know what's come against Sarah. And I'm asking, Lord, that you remove it now in the name of Jesus. For you are almighty God and you have the power to do all things. Take away, Lord, you mend the broken heart. You set the captives free. You restore sight to the blind. Them that are bruised, Lord, you come against. You lay hands on, Lord. You heal them. You are the great physician. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only righteous and true God, thanking you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, for all that we have needed to do, Lord. Keep everyone's mind focused on the goal. Keep us all focused on you and locked in on you. Remove all things that come against your body. For you have given us power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.